Good morning. Good morning. Ain't it a great morning to be outside? Well, it is if you wear. I am. Hi, I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing, and you have tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and me and Java Chapman, my awesome producer, are going to be talking gardening with you for the next hour. Um, it is uh, a long ways from Mississippi. I'm standing outside in one of the oldest botanic gardens in the world, formed, oh, before Columbus was born. But we're going to be talking live. It's toll-free no matter where you're calling from. So even though I'm on the phone uh, with some earbuds and I'm in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, for the next hour, we're just going to talk gardening. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, a few minutes of news, and come back with your phone calls. And believe me, it's live, so bring them on. We'll be right back with the Gestalt Garden here on MPB right after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and I am pretty far afield. Felder afield. I'm over in uh, Europe visiting some gardens. Going to go over uh, from the Netherlands tomorrow to Germany to visit some gardens. But right now, I'm in the Amsterdam, the oldest, one of the oldest botanic gardens on earth. Uh, it's in Amsterdam. Uh, they f- started like 1638, almost 400 years ago, and it's full of all sorts of really cool plants and displays and things like that. Uh, so, and it's interesting to see how they use a lot, of, a lot of plants from Mississippi. But anyway, it's a live call-in program. It's toll-free. You want to talk to somebody in Europe today about gar- your gardening in Mississippi, give us a call. Or, or Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, wherever you are. I uh, don't have access to emails, so... Java's going to let me know by, by, uh, on my, my phone who's calling. But if you want to give us a call and talk about what's going on in your yard, this hot, muggy, finally a summertime type of weekend, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. All sorts of things going on. I'm getting a lot of emails right now from folks, and I think I've pretty well caught up on, I think I've caught up on all of them. Might be missing uh, two or three here and there, but... A lot of things about diseases and insects and because being faulty and I've got grasses dying and blah, blah, blah. I don't mind talking about stuff like that because it's easy to talk about it. Not so much to do anything about it, but I'll try to give the best advice I can about what I would do, whether it's ignore it, take my glasses off, make it go away or get something to squirt it or, or whatever. If there's a solution we can come up with that, that works for you, uh, that makes sense. I'll sure give it out. So anyway, if you want to give us a call about anything related to gardening, again, it's toll-free, one mpb ring Now, the um, quality might pop in and out a little bit because this botanic garden is fairly small, and it's maybe a couple of acres or so right in the middle of Amsterdam. It's surrounded by the city. It's like I'm not even here, though, between the greenhouses and the trees and the display gardens and the uh, insect homes and all that, whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, and it was raining a little bit earlier, so if it starts chucking it down again, I may pop it over to the palm greenhouse or the tropical greenhouse or the cactus greenhouse or something like that. But anyway, if you want to give us a call again, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING, we'll talk all about it. A lot of interesting stuff uh, when I do these travels, whether it's to California or New England or South Florida, which are completely different worlds where we are. You know, you go to California, Seattle, New York, Boston, Chicago, West Texas, Florida, 
they're, they're different parts of the world. It's always interesting to see how they cope with their climate. And I'm always looking for ideas about plants that test the extreme. One of the things I noticed here in Amsterdam, they have some of our native plants growing, but they also have fig trees growing outside, crepe myrtle growing outside. The crepe myrtle bark scale hasn't gotten to, gotten to, to Europe yet. Anyway, we can talk about all that stuff in a few emails, but first let's slide down to the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and talk to Adam in Biloxi. Hey, Adam, good morning. Thanks for calling. Hey, good morning, sir. I've always enjoyed your show. Thanks for putting it on. Hey, thanks for being part of it. What's up? Well, you know, this may not be uh, politically correct or what have you, but uh, I'm wondering about the marijuana down there. Uh, How closely can we... uh, how closely can we relate that to possible marijuana growing in, in Mississippi? Well, you know, of course, it's a felony. So, you know, as far as, you know, is it legal? No, but can you do it? It's just a weed. <laughs> it's just a weed. But uh, other than that, you know, it's just a matter of you can't grow it in most parts of the South. But um, anyway, you know, there, there's a lot of issues. Uh, I, I work with garden writers, garden journalists who who, who are in areas where it is legal a lot of interesting stuff going on. It's just, you know, one of those things. It's like uh, it's like making your own whiskey. You can make whiskey right. too, but it ain't legal. <laughs> so I'd rather stay away from that. Shoot me an email. We'll get into more detail. But, but uh, you know, one thing I will say, after wandering through Amsterdam, I got a con. My, my, my clothes probably may not make it back through customs just walking down the street over here. <laughs> but I'm sticking with coffee. Right on. Have a good day, man. Okay, appreciate it. Hey, Java, how did I handle that one? Um, you performed beautifully, sir, because it it came gotta... it came up, but it's only natural because in some places it's legal, some places it's not. But it is yeah. a plant that grows out of the ground. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. And I will tell you this though, I've got a heck of a buzz going just from their coffee. These people know how to make coffee. I can tell you that. You order a cup of coffee, there's one of those little bitty teacups you have to hold with two fingers. But it, it's got a kick in it. Woohoo! So if I sound like I'm a little excited, it ain't the antihistamines, it ain't the pot, it's the coffee. So, hey, let's slide up to Lafayette County, up uh, out from, uh, where are you out from, Richard? I'm sitting in the middle of Oxford right now. I'm okay, in it. Oxford, okay. Yeah. Well, what's my up? Mom's got, my mom's got a hibiscus plant, one of them plants, hibiscus is a die down in the winter and they come back in the summer. Yeah. And that's that's uh, that's kind of a cotton plant, isn't it? Yeah, cotton, hibiscus, okra, they're all in the same well, family. And, and yeah, uh, well, Rose of Sharon? Well, this is in a big old pot and it had a bunch of flower buds like it's fixing to bust out and really bloom and show out. And yeah. it never did. I got to looking and it looks like a boll weevil's hit it blooms. I don't know that we have boll weevil in Mississippi. Uh, I haven't heard about it for a long time. I don't know if it's eradicated or what, but you know, anything that, uh, that you know, all sorts of uh, buzz will, will, will bore into it. But like I say, with cotton, with uh, hibiscus, with okra, they all have kind of the same tests. And have you peeled one of them open to see if there's anything inside the bud? That's just died. I, I got to looking at it, and I noticed a little bitty, like a little bitty hole, looked like a bull weevil. Where he yeah, well, well, bull weevil is a type of bull. 
Yeah, boll weevil is a type of what we call a snout beetle. They're real small beetles, and they've got a, a snout, and they stick it oh, in yeah, uh, the, things. But there's a whole bunch of different kind of snout life. beetles. Yeah, so anyway, not much I can recommend after the fact. Just keep an eye on it. Give you it a little fertilizer, and it'll put some more buds on it. Next year, could I spray it with something like what they been spray on cotton to keep them off? Or? Well, you know, they actually don't spray cotton as much as they used to, uh, partly because, you know, they, they, they've got their timing down. But the sprays they use are timed for when they first start seeing the insects. There's nothing you can put on a week or two ahead of time. All those pesticides are gone. Matter of fact, a lot of the stuff that they spray now are synthetic natural materials. So uh, there's not anything you can put out there ahead of time that's going to keep them from doing the damage to begin with. So uh, I'm just keeping an eye on it. Give it a little fertilizer, maybe snip some of the branches back to make them bush out, and they'll do fine. Uh, they'll always uh, put out new growth. All right. Well, thank you. Okay, good luck, and hug mama. All righty. Let's go uh, to Jackson to talk with Jim. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here, and I report Howdy. to you that I've got a... I've got a bumper crop at my law school garden this year. What you got growing? Tomatoes, peppers, okra, what, zinnias? Uh, yes, basil and cucumbers. All righty. You know, I, you, 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 you're, you're, you're what, I, what I call a gorilla gardening gardener. You're gardening in, in places that ain't your own, although being deed emeritus there at the law school, I guess you could say that corner of the driveway is yours. I sent you a picture of it, but my comment this morning deals with my parsley that I'm growing in cypress planter boxes at home. I went out yeah. the other morning, and the parsley was just about stripped with these caterpillars on there. And I was yeah, all striped. set to take the caterpillars off and, and stomp them until I went to the Internet and saw that that's the caterpillar for the black swallowtail butterfly. Yeah, which is our official state butterfly in Mississippi. Yep, you got a bunch so of teenage I, butterflies. And so I sacrificed my parsley for the butterfly population. There you go. Yeah, you, you took one for the team, Dean. And and the parsley <laughs> is coming back now, even after being stripped. So I'm yeah. going to win after all. Good, good, good. Well, keep it up. Appreciate it, Dean. And when I get back, uh, back to the States, I'm going to come by and get some of your tomatoes. I hope it's all right with you. Look forward to it, Felder. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it, Jim. All righty, folks. Uh, that was uh, Jim Rosenblatt. He was talking about he has a, a garden in a corner of a parking lot of the law school in downtown Jackson. Uh, you know, you can't keep the country out of the boy when it comes to gardening. And hey, we're going to be talking about it for the next uh, 45 minutes or so. We're going to take a real quick break. But I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and I'm wandering around outside uh, in one of the oldest botanic gardens in the world since 1638. And uh, we're going to be talking about gardening no matter where you are. It's toll-free. We'll give the numbers when we come back. But again, MPB and the Gestalt Gardener taking a quick break. Be right back. Okie dokie, folks. Well, welcome back again. Horticulture's Felder Rush again. You can call me toll-free no matter where you are. If you can hear me and you're by a telephone, you can give me a call and I'll talk to you right back. We're on Skype from uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting uh, Studios in Jackson, Mississippi, to the Hortus Botanicus Amsterdam, one of the oldest botanic gardens in the world. Hey, Java, uh, before we go to this next call, did you get that picture I sent of the magnolia flower sculpture? 
No, you have to send that one again because um, I was curious about what grows over there that we have over here. And if it's a magnolia sculpture, then I know it's got to be looking really nice. It's it's really weird. You know, I've been telling people forever that, you know, the our state flower, our state tree, the magnolia, which is native to all all 82 of our counties, is grown all over the world. And then it's one of the oldest botanic gardens in the world. The only sculpture they have in this whole garden. I mean, they got things set up for insects and they've got displays. But the only sculpture they've got is a flower about as big as a basketball of the magnolia flower. A sculpture of our state flower in the middle of one of the oldest botanic gardens. Only sculpture they got. And I keep telling folks, we ought to put that on our flag because it is recognized worldwide as one of the coolest flowers on earth. So when I see that magnolia, I think of back home. Uh, anyway, uh, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Let's go back down the Gulf Coast to Biloxi and talk with Larry. Hey, Larry, good morning. Hey, good morning, Taylor. Hey, do you What's know up? if there's any, uh, any stands of longleaf pine around in Mississippi? Oh, yeah, they got longleaf pines all over down in uh, down in Forest County and, and around Picayune and all like that. They've got some uh, some beautiful longleaf pines. Okay, around Picayune, huh? Any, any yeah, particular you know, place where I can look for them? Uh, well, I mean, we got, we, I don't know how many, I don't know how many acres of it. It's a, com- it's a commercial crop. You know, they call it the ah, Piney Woods they- for a reason down there. Okay. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean. Reading an interesting story about the, the edges of Texas, and they were, uh, they were exploring uh, what was left of some longleaf pine forests in East Texas and commented that the longleaf pines ran all the way from Virginia to East Texas back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still, you know, you, you, uh, have you heard of Crosby Arboretum down near Picayune? They used to, yeah. they used to be a, a pine tree plantation. It had strawberries there for a long time. But there's a lot of, lot of uh, you know, commercial acreage of it down in Mississippi. Uh, something kind of interesting. If you're riding around, I'll tell you how you can tell when you when you find the lolly pine. Sometimes you see these, they look like, oh, waist high or so, just pine, just they, they come up, just look like pine ferns. And that's what they look like when they come up. They, they come up a certain stage and they just sit there. It's called the grass stage because it looks like grass. And as soon as it gets burned or droughty or something happens to it, that kicks it into growing into a mature tree. But it'll sit there in that grass stage for a while waiting for it to uh to to be stimulated so anyway yeah, a lot of a lot of long a lot, lot of it down in south Mississippi is a commercial crop okay thanks much i look forward okay appreciate it larry thank you hey folks if you want to give us a call toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring toll free i'm standing here looking at a sumac which is we see a, i'm not talking about the poison sumac i'm talking about uh, the smooth sumac has got the big clusters of uh, a burgundy uh, flowers, berries in a terrific native plant. And it's used quite often uh, around botanic gardens and in smaller gardens in Europe. I've also seen magnolias. I've seen sunflowers. I've seen uh, our native coreopsis. I've seen just so many terrific native plants here, uh, particularly in the flower border. They grow a whole lot of plants we kind of call weeds because they're beautiful when they're planted with other weeds to make it, I mean, if you think about it, a daylily is a weed in China, but we still grow them. So uh, anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING, and I'll be glad to talk with you. Uh, let's slide down to Hattiesburg and talk with Michael. Hey, Michael, how are you this morning? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? 
so far so good. And I'm, I'm walking around this garden. It's hot, probably as humid as in Mississippi because the oh, Netherlands is uh, sort of like the Delta is below sea level and real oh, humid. What? That's terrible. Yeah. Look, I, what's, I know what's you, you got? this question a year or two ago about tomato plants. I had a bunch of blooms, but very few tomatoes. What, what's going yeah. on? Anytime it hits 95 degrees or so, you know, somewhere around there, tomato flowers don't form right. And they'll either abort or they'll make start to make little tomatoes. Same thing with peppers and beans, by the way. If they, if they make fruit at all, they don't mature. They'll throw them off. So they, either the flowers fall off, they don't make flowers, or the small fruit fall off. Just nothing but high temperatures. Not much we can do about that except try not to let the plants stay too dry without keeping them too wet. And maybe they'll pick back up when the when the weather cools a little bit. But that's pr- pretty common. These plants are native to the Andes, to high elevations. They're not used to really hot weather, so they sort of shut down in the middle of the summer. Okay, I thought it was something with the soil or something like that, but it's not. No, and uh, also if you give the plants a little bit too much nitrogen fertilizer, uh, uh-huh. then nitrogen makes plants grow. It's like giving a kid a Snickers bar right before bed. You know, too much sugar for a kid, too much nitrogen, that first number of fertilizers will kick tomatoes and some other plants into vegetative growth over flowering. So hold back uh, on, the, on the fertilizer. That'll do it in a hurry. All right. Well, thank you very much, and you enjoy your, yourself over there. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'll be home soon. Take care. Be careful. Uh, Okie doke. Uh, one eight seven seven mpb ring folks toll-free anywhere. Let's go over to Grand Bay, Alabama. Hey, Alan, how are you this morning? Is it Alabama? How's everything going over there? So far, so good. It was hot yesterday. They're complaining about it because they don't know what air conditioning is. I you know, when they say hot, we're... I love yeah, air we're, conditioning. We're, I've had yeah, heat. And we're talking about 86 degrees and they're complaining. <laughs> anyway, uh, what you got going I on? See, I hate to see what they're going to feel like when it really gets hot and hurricanes turn the electricity yeah. off. There you go. There you go. What's up today? Right. Well, all right. Now, we got uh, down there, we've got blueberries and figs are our big fruit thing. And so I yeah. read that the Epsom salt, the magnesium sulfate, is uh, beneficial to them. Is that true? Well, yes and yes and no. Magnesium sulfate and uh, Epsom salts and, uh, all, you know, d- different things. They're not necessary because our soils, for the most part, have plenty of those. If you add a little bit, it's what they call a micronutrient. If you're giving plants the regular nutrients they need, they can usually get all those they need, they need from our soils. If you're going to use some, we're talking about a teaspoon and a gallon of water over the whole garden. It doesn't take much at all. It's, it's a micronutrient. Um, okay. It's sort of like Tabasco sauce. You don't need to pour it on. Okay, now a drop will do. Let me say this: the the big tree is about say 15 feet across, and you know at it, least it's over 10 feet tall. How much yeah. on a big tree like that? And this is a fig tree, right? Oh, fig tree, yes, big fig tree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't need any, but if you want to put some, you know, maybe a tablespoon and a gallon of water spread around the whole thing. It's not necessary. What will help your fig more than anything is some chopped up tree leaves because that's what feeds the soil. They're, they're real shallow, emulsion, regular tree leaves, and then scatter just a little bit of cottonseed meal over the area to feed your worms, and they'll turn those leaves in the, down deep around your roots and grow deep roots. So I, I like that. And, and, and when I say a little bit of cottonseed meal, a pint jar will cover 
uh, let's say a, a quart jar will cover a 10 foot by 10 foot area way more than you need so okay. it doesn't take much all right but now, uh, mul mul mulch them and see if that doesn't help all right now what about the blueberries uh, again, blueberry, blueberries are real sensitive to too much fertilizer. I would just give them a pinch of an all-purpose fertilizer once a year. And just, you know, if you want to add um, uh, boric acid and Epsom salts or crumble up some old paper matches or all that kind of stuff, which has magnesium in it, if you think about mag uh, phosphorus and magnesium is what matches are made out of. It doesn't hurt, but it doesn't take much, and it's usually not necessary. But the, uh, the mulch that, like I collect, leaves and grass clipping and i make a big mulch pile and then i'll put yeah. that in my garden area uh you yeah say that's put that around my, my my fig trees and would you say the same thing for the blueberries yeah blue blueberries are a little bit different they're more like azaleas we have native blueberries by the way all over the you know uh, you know the, the hill part of uh, in the, the gulf coast uh and they tend to grow in an acidic soil so you can chop up some pine needles and put around them uh something like that but Main thing is they just need mulch to keep keep the roots cool in the summer, and uh, and never really hard and packed. So anyway, okay. a lot of people write, you know, all these things we hear about people writing about do this and do that and do that. They're the kind of people who aren't able to say, "Don't worry about it." Well, I can say it because I wrote the book. Don't worry about it. Not that big a deal. Okay. All right. I'm not trying to prove. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, and, and I apologize for. I do want to hear what you have to say. All right, on my pecans, and I understand that pecans are, we do not have the turbine to spray them, and I understand what that's all about. Out of yeah. our front pasture, we got, say, about 16 trees. we got one line with with about four trees that are good producers. And yeah. what I want to do is I want to go around, what we did at the river was we go around at the drip edge of the, of the trees and offer down about a foot and give them, say, a couple of fertilizer occasionally. We only did it about once. But yeah. what, I, what I have got is uh, I bought bought a bag of zinc, which, you know, is 45 bucks a, a bag, and I, I, I do have some other fertilizers. But I'm asking you what kind of a formula I should put in there if you will do that for me. Oh, okay. First of all, the digging holes with the auger, not necessary, really not that beneficial because, you know, you know, if you can stick your fingers, your arms around, wiggle your fingers, that's where the feeder roots are. They're not a foot deep. They're a few inches deep, and they're spread all over the area. So it's better yes. to just scatter the stuff all over on top of the ground, let the rain take it. The, the auger doesn't help at all. You're putting a, too much fertilizer in a, one spot, and two feet away, those roots got nothing. See, so it's better just to broadcast a fertilizer under the outer spread branches beyond really really light and um and and, and again that 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 works you know the the deep root injecting and digging holes and putting fertilizer down there is, is if it makes you feel better but it's not helping the trees that much really okay. i'm then, really sure of this all right then, then let me ask you this last question now i have on hand a half a dozen bags of what they call ammonium sulfate because they stopped carrying the other kind and then i bought one bag of fertilizer. Yeah. So, from what I have on hand, if I just wanted to use that, you tell me there's about four okay. or five mature trees, and I'm okay, talking okay. about over okay. a Let, foot in diameter. 
Okay, okay. Let's let's do this because I'm walking around outside and I and I'm the reason I went into horticulture because I'm really bad at math. Um, if you'll shoot me an email, I can give you a formula of what you got. But I need to know that zinc fertilizer, what percentage it is. But again, you're talking about commercial production, and they use this stuff over many acres, not just around a few trees. Real small amounts is the idea. And uh, it's a little bit late to be putting nitrogen out around trees anyway. We want to fertilize them in the springtime when they're starting the growth, not in the late summer when they're really starting to slow down and make their fruit. So I would fertilize them in the late winter, early spring rather than, than, than this time of year. So we got plenty of time to shoot me an email and I can get you a little bit more detail and I can do the math a whole lot easier. Okay, so, so, so that, No, yeah, shoot me an email because I can't, I, I can't do math while I'm standing outside in the botanic garden out in my head. <laughs> I can't do it, but I can do it on paper real quick. Shoot me an email. Thank you. I, I hope, hope that helps. You bet. And by the way, folks, our email is garden at mpbonline.org. Um, we're going to take another call, and then we've got a really cheesy tune that's going to set some of your teeth on this. Let's go to Hazelhurst and talk with Larry. Hey, Larry, good morning. Good morning. I have four boxwoods that I planted 10 years ago. They were full grown then. They gave them to me by a neighbor. Now, they're, they're getting a whitish gray scale, uh, three of them, and one of them is tilled on of the bush uh, that's on the sunny side. Ooh, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, without without looking at it, I can't tell for sure because there are there there are boxwood. There's a boxwood blight that's going around. It's causing a lot of problems in the historic gardens. But if you're sure of scale, if you can squeeze them or rub them off the branch, the the easiest way to deal with that, because they're all typically are on the new growth is to prune the plants back. That gets rid of most of the scale. Spray what's left with a dormant oil, which will cover and suffocate any of their left. And within uh, three or four weeks, you got new growth coming out that'll be free of scale. So uh, an oil will suffocate them. But if most of the stuff is kind of on this year or last year's growth, just prune the plants back. This is what they do at Botanic Gardens. And uh, before you know it, and that'll get rid of most of the scale. New growth will be free yeah. of it, at least uh, for a year or two. What kind of oil is that? Well, it's called dormant oil. That's what it's called. They also have one called summer oil. If you put the dormant oil on, it's literally a, it's, a, it's an organic material. It's an oil. It, it covers the plants. It suffocates uh, uh, scale and things like that. If it's really hot, the dormant oil can scorch the leaves of some plants. So they have dormant oil to put on in the wintertime. They have a summer oil. That, again, most of the garden centers have these, you know, maybe not the box stores, but they're commonly, they've been used for centuries, uh, an oil, summer oil for summertime, dormant oil in the winter because it's too hot in the summer. What olive oil? And, and that's, uh, oh, no, 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 no. This is a horticultural oil. It's not a, it, it's not a cooking oil. Okay. Yeah, this, you know, it's a spe special formulation. It's like you don't put diesel in your, in, in, in your Ford pickup truck. Right, right. <laughs> a diff okay. different kind of oil. Okay, so, okay, good luck on it, Larry. Okay, folks, I am in the in the Netherlands. We used to call it Holland, and uh, I've been here numerous times over the year for flower shows, including the one called Floriad. Floriad is a worldwide flower show. It lasts for three months or so. They only have it every 10 years, and it'll be next year. It'll be my, my fourth time to come to this. But meanwhile, all the fields 
they're they're turning the, the dirt under. They're 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 turning in uh, hay. They're improving the soil. In another month or so, they're going to start planting their famous tulips. Holland is famous for its tulips. They're starting to plant them in a month or so, and we're going to be talking about that. Meanwhile, I've got a really cheesy tune to sort of remind you about springtime and tiptoeing through the tulips. I'm horticulturist Phil Rushing, me and Java Chapman. Kevin Farrell. We'll be right back after this. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that little tiptoe through the tulips. So right now it's tiptoeing through the tulip bulbs because they're going to be planting the tulips um, in the next month or so. There are already all these fields that are so pretty in the spring, late winter and springtime are brown and green, and they're turning under and improving the dirt because they know that's what that's what helps. You want to grow good plants? You've got to help plants grow good roots, and you do that by adding organic matter. If you don't feel like digging stuff into your dirt, at least spread some stuff on top of the dirt feed your worms, they'll come up at night and eat the stuff and take it down deep around your roots. You can get worms to dig your dirt for you, particularly in the perennial borders. So uh, anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, mpb ring Let's go to Bill up in Greenwood. Hey, Bill, what's happening in the Delta? Is it hot enough for you? Oh, yeah, it was really too hot yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's up? But it was just terrible. But anyway... You said you, you, you're in Holland. Have you ever been to the Land Franks Museum? Well, I'm about three blocks over from it, but it's, uh, you know, from the street, it just looks like a house. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been to the Netherlands lots of times on flower trips and all, but I've been by it a couple of times, never been in it. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about wildflowers from Germany. Have you ever been to Germany to see the wildflowers there? 
Yeah, I have. And you know what's, uh, you know, and a lot of the plants that are wildflowers in Europe, which is really north. I mean, England is on the same latitude as Nova Scotia. They're really far north. Uh, the stuff they, they grow tends to, to take colder winters than we have, but more important, they bloom in cooler summers than we have. So a lot of their wildflowers are strictly temporary springtime things for us. At the same time, some of their wildflowers that they have all over the place are actually weeds from North America. Uh, they oh, love our golden, you know, our, our native sunflowers, our golden rods, the uh, leatris, so many of the flowers that, that, that we see along the roadsides are, are highly desirable garden plants in European gardens. You're not going to find a decent garden in Germany that doesn't have leatris, which is wild for us, goldenrod. Uh, narrow leaf sunflower, those kind of plants. Cause, and magnolia trees, they think magnolia is one of the coolest plants on earth. And we don't plant them because they get too big. Yeah, and I, I Googled them on my phone, and they said that blanket flower was very popular in Germany. And I said, blanket flower? Hmm. Yeah, won't grow for us. Not not very well at all. Uh, what, blanket flower? Yeah, blanket Did flower. You, yeah, yeah. You'll see that naturalized along the Gulf Coast in Texas. The reason it, it won't grow so much in Greenwood because it needs a better drained soil. You'll find that it's called Gallardia, and it grows better in kind of a sandy, poor soil like you find out in the prairies or along the coast. If you got good dirt, it just won't take it. It, it, it you know, doesn't like good dirt and a lot of rain. So, you know, mm-hmm. even some of the... I'll give you another example. Everybody knows about Texas blue bonnets. Blue bonnets yeah. won't grow in East Texas because there's too much rainfall. You see blue bonnets where it starts getting dry when you get away from the piney woods. They have a hard time with blue bonnets even in Houston, because too much rainfall. See, so a lot of it has to do with the, not just the climate, but the soils and the rainfall. Mm. So, anyway, appreciate your call, man. You need to hunker down and stay dry and stay cool and hydrated. I know, it's too hot. Bye-bye. Yes, that's right. Appreciate your call, Bill. Thank you so much. Right. Okay, folks, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring got the lines open right now if there's some things you want to talk about i will throw out a couple of things to look for if you got pecan trees i'm getting a, a number of, of questions for people whose pecans are falling and they're faulty they're they're moldy on the inside and that's caused by a really common fungus that gets on the twigs in the winter then the leaves in the early summer and then the new green shucks of the pecans is called scab s-c-a-b and scab causes the pecans to be faulty some varieties are highly susceptible to it, like the old-fashioned Stewart and Desirable. Some newer varieties are resistant to it, but if we have a wet spring and a wet summer, pecan's going to have scab, and there's not much we can do about it because you can't spray a tree like that. So anyway, that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm getting questions about. And uh, if you have things like that, I can offer a few suggestions, but sometimes not a complete control. Hey, let's slide uh, back to Jack and talk to Hibbit. Good morning, sir. Hey, Felder, how are you? It's beautiful uh, uh, in Amsterdam, I'm sure, with all those tulips uh, coming up next spring. But it, anyway, I've got uh, five grandkids, and each of yeah. them have their own three-by-seven uh, raised beds. And they're Good doing for you. Great. Yeah, they're doing great, uh, with, with, with one exception. One wanted to grow uh, corn, and we're not having much luck. It isn't filling out, and... Is the area too small, or do you have any advice at all? Well, here's the thing about corn. It's, it's a fast-growing grass, 
and it needs not a lot of fertilizer, but it needs regular fertilizer. You know, when you plant it, when it gets a few inches tall and about knee high, it likes to be fed just a little bit extra because it's really fast growing uh, without overdoing it. But just, in other words, give it a little bit extra fertilizer spread over several times. But the other thing is corn, uh, are they blooming okay? Has it got the silks and the tassels and all that? Yeah, but but it doesn't seem to fill out. Uh, it doesn't well, seem here, to fill out. Well, here's the deal. You know, the tassels at the top have the pollen, and those silks, every one of those silks goes to an individual kernel. Every, every silk is, is a, goes to one seed, which is a kernel. And the pollen, when it falls or blows around, if it misses the, the, the silks, it's gonna, they're not going to get pollinated. They're not going to fill out. That's the reason uh, even in small gardens, they plant corn in groups, you know, a whole bunch in one area so that collectively they can share their pollen. If you plant long, skinny rows, it blows away instead of falls down onto the silt. So the number one problem is, uh, besides not fertilizing right, is uh, if we have a lot of rainfall when the when the, the, the tassels are shedding their pollen, it, it washes away. Or if the wind blows it and doesn't land on corn that's right beside other corn, it blows away. So that's the whole idea. Is it t- when the silks first start showing, this is a stupid thing to know. When the silk first starts showing on an ear of corn, you can count in 20 or 21 days it's time to harvest it. But so you only got about oh a week or so to get that pollen from the tassels to the silks. And uh, you might even, uh, when, next time you do that, when the silk starts showing, break some of those tassels off and have her use them sort of like gentle little brushes and brush it onto the silk and see if that doesn't work. But the, the whole thing is getting, yeah, the whole thing is getting pollen from the tassels at the top to the silks halfway down without blowing, or in our case this summer, washing away. Too much rain can wash it all away. Okay, we'll try that. Thanks a lot, Felder. Okay. Hey, and, and c- congratulations. Here's something. Let me throw this out. Make sure that each one of them is growing some kind of culinary herb, whether it's basil or rosemary or oregano or something like that, because those are easy for kids to grow. They can go out and harvest them and bring them in and put them in chili and spaghetti and pizza. It's the quickest way to have kids get success and have ownership of their meals. It's just real easy culinary herbs, and they can all grow those real, real easy. We, we did great. One of them has eggplants, and we fried eggplant, and we stuffed uh, bell peppers and with tomatoes and, and beans, and uh, we, we're just having a great time. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're better gardeners than I am. <laughs> better than I am. Hey, t- tell them that I'll be glad to swap some of my herbs with some of their, their vegetables. That's the, That barter system works. Will okay, do. appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Okay, hey, Hug them while you get a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Felder. Oh, you bet. All righty, I hear a siren in the background. I'm broadcasting live, walking around this beautiful botanic garden, Hortus Botanicus. This uh, botanical garden formed uh, that first started in the early 1600s because they were having trouble with diseases and, and they didn't know what it was, and they started growing culinary plants. Hey, Java, can you hear the sirens? I hear it, and it's, uh, you know, it's always fascinating to hear those sirens uh, that are different than the ones here in, uh, in the U.S. <laughs> hey, you, you ought to try ordering a cup of coffee. They they don't even know how to say coffee right over here. It's all sound. Oh, that's right. It's foreign country. <laughs> Come on, Anyway, <laughs> hey, let, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, let's slide down to, uh, to Mobile and talk with David. Hey, David, thank you for calling. How are you? Very good, Felder. It's been a while. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're headed your way, but it's going to be a lot cooler at the end of September. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to the uh, Arctic uh, Alpine Botanical Garden in Tromso, Norway? No, I haven't been to Norway. No, this is, uh, you know, the uh, Netherlands and Germany are about as far north as I've been. I've done, you know, a good bit in the Mediterranean. I try to stick with places that grow stuff sort of like what we grow because I'm not that curious about places that aren't too much like me. You know, I'm, I'm more of a practical traveler. But uh, well, no, I haven't uh, been up north yet. This is the northernmost botanical gardens in the world. And because of their location in the marine climate, they have everything from palm trees on up and down the line. It's it's amazing. Okay. Yeah. You know, you see that list. you see that in in Scotland and Wales and all yes. because it's surrounded by the by, by the Gulf Stream. You can grow Mediterranean plants and that, and they grow fig trees and and crepe myrtles yes. and uh, and magnolia trees where those yes, things do. won't grow. They won't they won't grow in Ohio. Well, anyway, uh, yesterday my wife and I watched on uh, Create TV uh, a program uh, uh, produced by uh, Growing a Greener World. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? I'm sure you are. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, he, he has been doing uh, a, an interesting series. Well, uh, yesterday they had a man in Raleigh, North Carolina, who is known as the Tomato Man. And uh, this might be of interest to uh, uh, earlier caller about uh, his grandchildren. He, on his driveway, raises over a ton of uh, tomatoes and eggplants. And in containers? He raises them in, and I was not familiar with them, the uh, fabric uh, uh, grow bags. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, you know, uh, the ones that uh, I'm looking at uh, on uh, uh, you know Amazon, they have handles on them and everything, right. and they they and breathe. They, they, and they, yeah, and they come in all sorts of sizes. You, we see those a lot in rooftop gardens, and in Correct. patio gardens, and commercial things. And it's a it's a special fabric bag with. I mean, you can actually uh, drag them around. They're they're really heavy, and they have some that are that are uh, that are big. You know, waist high. Oh yes. Yes. But anyway, uh, the program was about tomatoes. And my question is, uh, uh, we have a huge oak tree between our house and next door neighbor that's getting ready to come down. And we're hoping it's going to open up a lot of sun in a section of one of our flower beds. Yeah. Did we have any luck? I've always raised in the past tomatoes in the early spring. Uh but is it too late to maybe get some heirloom uh, uh, seeds, germinate them, and you know raise some fall tomatoes, or wait until next spring? I, I would wait till next spring, and the reason is because, in general, uh, in, in at least in central Mississippi, the sort of cutoff date for planting fall tomatoes is right about now, the first or second week in August. You can push it, you know. But if we have a mild winter, a really mild fall like we've had, in other words, it's just going to be from here on, it's going to be a gamble. That's all it is to it. And it takes a little bit extra time from seed than from setting out transplants. So if you could get some transplants now, no problem. If you're going to try some seeds, you need to get right on it. It sounds like those trees haven't even hit the ground yet. 
no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So so uh, so now 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 we're starting to getting into the to to the cool season things like broccoli and cabbage and oh, and yeah. turnips and lettuce and stuff like that. And, and and so that'll keep you busy till time to plant tomatoes in the spring. And the oh, next yes. next year the fall fall crop sometime in uh, mid to late July, first part of August. Okay, uh, good deal, and enjoy yourself. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And it's a good tip about the north. Now I've been to the the most southern botanic garden in North America, and that's in uh, excuse me, not in North America, United States, down in Key West. But okay. and I've been up to the one in I've, I've been up to the one outside uh, uh, Anchorage, Alaska. But right. um, hand in the Anyway, appreciate your call. Thank you so much, man. Okay. Hey, thanks, Felder. You bet. Okay, now let's go to Neshoba County and um, talk with Bill. Hey, Bill, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm out in the garden. Howdy. Good, good, good. What's going on? Okay, uh, so uh, I planted some uh, figs over the past three years, and they're all doing uh, really good, lots of figs on them, but none of them uh, mature. I got six plants and one fig so far. I did what you recommended yeah. about cutting them back and yeah. cutting the tops off. But is there anything yeah, I can do? A couple of things. Keep in mind that, that figs are not really fruits. They're more like inside-out flowers, if that makes sense. Yep. And um, any, anything that affects an uh a matter of fact, have you ever had a fig newton? You know, in, in Mississippi, we don't have the type of wasp that goes in that little hole at the bottom of a fig to pollinate it. So when you eat a fig newton or a fig bar and you get that little teeth in your uh, uh, seed in your teeth, we don't have those in Mississippi because we don't have that 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 uh, that that wasp. But here's the, here's the deal: figs are kind of sensitive to being too wet. A lot more than too dry. They're native to the Mediterranean. They contain drought, but they they want a good soaking in the summertime, at least every three or four weeks, especially when they're starting to make figs. Or else they'll throw them off if it's because we have so much rainfall in the winter time. The roots of figs are extra shallow compared to where they grow in the Mediterranean, and so they're more sensitive to to heat and drought than they would normally. So the main thing is try to help them have as good a root system as possible and do that by, by putting mulch all the way out to the outspread of the branches. You know, stick your arms out, wiggle your fingers, you get some idea, not just around the trunk, but where the feeder roots are. Mulch way out around them, four or five feet out from the trunk all the way around or more with some chopped leaves or bark or something like that. Give them just a little bit of lime. I don't remember if Neshoba County, if the soil is acidic or not, but figs like a little lime every three or four years. And other than mulch and lime, a tiny bit of fertilizer without pushing them too much. Too much fertilizer puts on a lot of top growth at the risk of flowers. So try not to fertilize too much. But, you know, you see them around old home sites where the roots are growing up under the barn because that's where it's nice and cool. That's what they like. So make them okay. think. make them think that. A lot, a lot of mulch, little lime every few years, not much fertilizer, occasional deep soaking, and that's about it. Okay. But everybody around here has big trees, and I'm the only one with big bushes uh, following your instructions. Are, are you yeah, ready but, to double down but, on that? I am because I, I work with people who grow figs for a living, and they keep their figs where you can hold a, a, a yardstick up over your head and it's taller than the fig, but they're about 10 feet across. You keep it small and compact, 
good air circulation so you can t- they're you know treat them like a bush and they'll produce well same thing with 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 apples you're not going to find an apple or a peach orchard anywhere where the plants are really really big they keep them small and compact for a re- people who do it for a living do that for a reason the people who don't do it just ain't got around to it or don't know any better and you and i know better well since you brought up apples i'm preparing to get a couple for the fall what should i buy oh uh, well shoot me an email i can give you a better list because okay. a lot of the apples you know there's a place in jackson uh and i, I, I normally i don't recommend places but a place called hutto's in jackson they uh-huh. specialize in the types of fruits and more important the varieties that do well in central mississippi so is the variety is important because how much cold it gets or does it get in the wintertime affects whether they're going to bloom or not. A lot of northern apples, just want, just like cherries, won't grow here. So right. we need to get right. the right variety. So shoot me an email or go visit folks at Hutto's. Okay. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. And I think we have time to talk to Larry from Biloxi who called back. Hey, Larry, are you still with us? I'm still with you. Hey, um. Okay. One quick one. I heard you talking about fig bushes and uh, Epsom salts, and just just recently talking about fig bushes. Haven't heard you mention using oyster shells on fig bushes. My neighbor oh, put direction, and it maybe makes all the difference in the world. So next time you go get oysters on the half shell, get them to save your shell. <laughs> well, you can you go to any oyster house, and they'll give you sacks full of shells. <laughs> they they still got a little bit of stinky stuff. It makes all the difference in the world. <laughs> well, I, I can see how that would have some effect. Well, I'll be honest with you. Figs are native in the Mediterranean. They ain't got oysters out there. They've been making figs for 3,000 years. That ain't oysters. But anyway, it doesn't hurt. Any kind of mulch works. But I, I would go with pine straw leaves and bark. But uh, hey, at least they're pretty. <laughs> Ah, uh, this has been wild, folks. I've been stomping up and down, walking up uh, down these old uh, pathways here at the one of the oldest botanic gardens in the world, Hortus Botanica. I'm going to be heading over to Germany to visit my son and a couple of botanic gardens over there, and I'm going to be back in live at, at my regular old spot this time next week. Hey, the Gestalt Garden of Production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, me and Java Chapman and Kevin Farrell and all the other folks, we really enjoy bringing this to you. Thanks for, for calling and helping us out. If you have questions during the week, shoot me an email, garnet at mpbonline.org, and we'll take it from there. Meanwhile, I'm going to go have me some strong cup of coffee. See you all next week. Hey, 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 go out and get dirty. <laughs> <laughs>